We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Taking that food right off of your grill Nicky nah. too ill, can't let a drop of me spill can't. Clogging the lane, I'm feeling the strain I'm here for the spot to I'm be here. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching While I'm in the cup paying property bills Working me up to the properties built Told Poppy the property was stills yeah. Signature moves yeah. like I'm Will Signatures under my belt The mixes I dotted for Will I dotted that shit with my Ah, yes! What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the um, Last Dance finale recap And I had to bring the OG of OGs, my guy, Ippy. What it do, baby? What's up, man? Thanks, uh, thanks for having me again. Super pumped. We did the first two episodes, right? So it's only right that we did the last two as well. Yeah, you bring in the big guns to intro, and you bring the big guns for the outro. You know what I'm saying? Feels good to finally be. I mean, not finally, but it's just like I look forward to those. Like I look forward to those episodes, um, just to kind of get a, a, you know basketball back into my life in some way, shape, or form. I said this at the beginning, um, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's been so educational for me. Um, I watched basketball 
in the 90s. I wouldn't say I absorbed it, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I watched it. Like, I remember watching the Knicks, and I remember watching the Heat and, and the Lakers, you know, early 2000s, right? I remember watching it. I didn't absorb it, though. You know, I feel like when I watch sports, especially basketball now, I absorb it. I'm understanding everything that's going on, how the rosters are constructed, how they're actually playing the game itself. But back then, you're younger. You're just watching a, a game, right? You're watching two teams play against each other. So for me to be able to kind of go take a step back and, and, and really kind of understand everything that was going on, the teams, right? Like we learned so much about the Pacers, right? Word. These two episodes. Um, and Knicks. I thought it was inter- the Knicks as well. That just was in general. Just, yeah, for sure. Um, by the way, that Knicks team was an eight seed, right? Kind of crazy. The year um, after. Yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah. Well, um, well, you know, I, I hate to cut you off. No, no, but, it's fine. You know, I didn't realize that after that 98 season, bro, the next year was the lockout. Yes, that's so, the next season was a short season. So, you know, VM style, we'll be jumping around all over the place. But, dude, think about this. Reinsdorf, I guess for the first time, says why he dismantled the team and MJ saw it, which, dude, one of my favorite things about this entire series has been the – this isn't an iPad, but let's just pretend it is, where MJ is just looking at people, like, make comments, like the Gary Payton thing, uh, the Reinsdorf looking at it. And just in general, him looking uh, there and getting the feedback, that's been awesome. And MJ response to that was like, yo, bro, you don't think these dudes would have maybe taken the veterans minimum, cheap plug, or maybe been like, yeah, bro, we'll run it back. And the exposure we're going to get, the we're going to make some money off endorsements because we'll be playing in June. And then it's a shorter season. So you got to think that what is MJ at that point? He's 34, 35. I, Michael Jordan in 98 is 35. So, like, you're looking at that. Sorry, he's, he's 34, right? And he just comes off a season where he plays 4,000 minutes, which is usually, like, a number that – that's a lot. That's a lot of minutes to take in. But then it's a short season, bro. 50 games? Knicks on an eight seed? Like, yo, the Bulls could have been, like, cruising and be a seven seed to make the finals, no? You should have been able to defend your title at the bare minimum, right? Like, that's what it comes down to, man. It just comes down to being able to defend your title. Like, I understand the perspective of all of these guys are about to hit the open market. We can't pay all of these guys. But, you know, like Jordan said, I'm sure if there was a conversation of, hey, everyone, let's just pause for a moment. Let's just try this one more time. Everyone sign a one-year deal, and let's see if we can get it going. That sounds all fine and dandy. Just to play devil's advocate, um, you know, Jerry Krause seems to have been, you know, you know, obviously he was the architect. Um, mm. And you have to imagine um, the idea of, you know, you know, having cap flexibility and also the ability to and, – and this all sounds – it all matters none when in, in the grand scheme of chasing a seventh ring, right? Like what I'm about to say doesn't matter because if you have a chance to win a championship, you do it. But – you know, in his mind, he's probably saying, if we sign all these guys to one-year deals, maybe we're missing out on other opportunities with other players. Um, maybe he thinks they're not going to perform as well a year later. Um, a lot of those guys are kind of going into the end of their career, right? Like Ron Harper, Steve Kerr, all these older guys. Pippen um, also. Pippen as well, who, who, you know, Pippen, it seems like Pippen was getting hurt left and right, unfortunately. So um, just to play devil's advocate, if you do sign everyone to a one-year deal – um, you know, it could potentially, you know, you know, you know, hamstring, you know, hamstring your team in the future. Um, 
especially considering some of those guys were old and worn down. I disagree with all of what I just said, um, and I do agree that you should have just tried one more time. You have the best, you have the greatest basketball player of all time. What about the idea of him saying that we're going to be wasting money on these contracts with these elder players and you know, the, the ROI isn't going to be that high on getting back from them what you're giving them. But it's then also on the flip side, you're like, hey, dickhead, you have f- fucking MJ, right? Like, you don't think you're going to make money back for, for having MJ and how many people, bro, they were paying $2,000 in the 90s scalping to get tickets to go see uh, a, a Warriors the then Warriors Bulls game on like a Tuesday night. Like, yo, you're going to make your money back. To me, it's the craziest thing is, yo, when you have, we throw the term generational talent. And then I think there is a, a tier higher than that, which I think this documentary did a great, great job on showing you how big MJ really was in a yeah. non-social media era. Yes. So, if you have a, like, yo, what would be your Mount Rushmore of athletes that Barack Obama said this to that outgrew their sport? Because I think uh, it's like MJ, Ali, just Tiger might sound Woods. crazy. You said Tiger Woods? Yeah, Tiger Woods would be up there. And, bro, you know who I think has made a strong case for that? Conor McGregor. Interesting. I think Conor McGregor has surpassed the UFC, like, He's become his its own entity. He's become bigger than the sport. Yeah. Think about his crossover appeal, his mainstream appeal. Like Conor McGregor, bro, this might sound crazy, but I think he's in that tier with those guys because he's an international guy as well. Yeah, and he's outgrown the sport, bro. Like Conor McGregor is such a big star. And then when you look at MJ too, David Stern, I thought was a really um he contributed to this documentary. Obviously, you had all the conspiracy theories about, like, you know, he suspended MJ and held him out the league because of all this shit. But it's like, yeah, this dude, when the NBA first started, what was it, 35 countries the NBA was in? And then at the end of 98, there was 250 countries? Like, that's MJ, bro. Yeah. And, and I think the, the key point, if it, you, met, you, you said it, was before the social media age. He became yeah. this larger-than-life superstar, um, you know, before everything that we know so regularly, you know, now is, it didn't exist. There's no Twitter, no Instagram. Mm-hmm. Even like the internet wasn't as, you know, even the internet isn't what it is now, right? So, you know, the newspapers were a huge, you know, you know form of media and obviously TV but, and radio, but it's, it's just so crazy to imagine that this guy became this huge polarizing and polarizing figure and, and, and essentially the, probably the greatest athlete of all time before all the information was so accessible. That is truly the craziest thing. Um, and, I, and I would consider, like, maybe Wayne Gretzky on that list, but he, he just was just, you know, a dominant at his sport. But I don't necessarily know if he was as kind of as, – as known of a, of a figure. But the Gretzky is the only one that I could think of. Yeah, Gretzky from a standpoint of how dominant they were in the sport. And when you think of GOAT, like, if you were to do a sports Mount Rushmore of goats, like, Gretzky's the hockey guy, without a doubt. Right? And it's like, the consensus. Have, that's the has, one sport. He has more points than anyone else in hockey, and that's if you take away his goals, which yep. is crazy. Like, just that's, his assist alone. That's the one consensus where every other sport, you know, the, the, the greatest of all time is generally 
um, you know, there's an argument to be made. At least you can at least make an argument for all the other kind of, you know, different sports. But I think for hockey, there's one consensus that Wayne Gretzky's the greatest, and that's the only reason why I would consider him there. But he did. He I think he lacked some of that that polarizing, you know, that some of some of that star power. But nonetheless, um, you know, you know, going back to the original point, it's a shame that they didn't get to win that seventh ring for whatever reason it was. Um, the cap, and it's crazy, is because you, there's even part of the interview with Ryan Sorf where, you know, Jerry Krause at the beginning of the season says, This is Phil's last year, this is Phil's last year, and he was okay with that, Jerry, it seemed like, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the end, then you fast forward to the end of that season, Jerry Ryan Sorf was on the record in the interview saying, You know, we would have, you know, he offered him the job again, um, which basically said the owner, you know, you know, you know, made the decision ahead of the general manager, which does happen. Um, I guess it was, uh, you know, Phil was, was Phil the domino. Well, yeah. And MJ says that too, where the famous quote was Jerry Krause comes on and says, Phil could go 82 and 0. he won't be the coach next year. It's like, how do you say that? Right? Like, yo, it's, it's hard son to win a championship. And you have this once in an era type of talent and bro, Another thing that this documentary showed was how sh- what a shitstorm Chicago was. The Bulls were until he got there, and then all of a sudden they're up there with the Celtics and the Lakers. As far as like, well, yeah, when you think NBA, you think of three teams. You think Lakers at the time, Lakers, Celtics, and Bulls. Like in the nineties, like after the the the, the nineties, at the start of the two thousands, those were the teams you thought about. And then what happens in the two thousands? First three seasons. Uh, of the 2000s, the Lakers gone Lakers. away. So that's all you thought about were those three organizations. Bro, there was something where they won like 68 or 69% of the titles since the start of the NBA was Lakers, Celtics, and Bulls, which is fucking crazy to think that about. That is crazy. And then we're Knicks fans. Dolan always puts his nose where it doesn't belong. But this is one of those scenarios where if you're a fan, you're like, yo, fucking Reinsdorf, good morning, wake up, bro, like, step in there. This shit doesn't happen now, by the way. It's, 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 it's tough, though, right? Because it's easy for MJ and easy for everyone to say, yeah, they would have done it, but then at the same time, the, a lot of the documentary was, you know, highlighted how, how upset Scottie Pippen was about being underpaid, and you just wonder, you know, how much, you know, you know if, if, if you had to pay Scottie at market value, for that next season, because it's, it's hard to imagine after everything that he went through, right? It's, mm. it's really, truly hard for me to think Scottie Pippen would have taken a huge pay cut, right? Because it just doesn't make sense after he literally threatened to sit out for the entire season. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get creative with some of the other contracts, but you got to imagine that now you're paying Jordan what you're going to pay Jordan. Mm. Then you have to imagine that you're going to give Scottie Pippen a raise, right? Yep. It, it it really seemed tough. It did seem tough. And that's kind of, you know, it sometimes, I don't know. I'm really on the fence because, of, you know, would I have wanted them to chase seven? Of course. But at the same time, you got to think of, you know, all of the individuals in that scenario too. Like, would Pippen really have taken a pay cut or at least, you know, he was not taking anything close to what he was paid. They said that he was paid, you know, towards the bottom of the league. And that's just not going to happen. Jordan going to take a big pay cut? It's Rod- Bro, Rodman, like, yo. Could you? I was I was thinking about the chair shot that you tweeted, which uh, 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 Dennis Rodman in NWO. Yeah. Game two, going and, and and being on TV. First of all, that would never happen in today's world. 
Um, but is that guy taking a pay cut? I just think that there was just, it was such a huge, it was a huge mess too, right? Like this guy's injured and underpaid. Jordan with all the gambling stuff. Scott, Scotty, uh, Dennis Rodman is in, in the NWO. It just seemed like there was so much commotion going on at the same time, right? It's like, how, does, how can you do this in another year? It's just like there's so much going on. You could do it another year because you're winning. And I think winning cures everything. How many yes. times have we talked about, bro, you put up with someone's bullshit if they're talented. And that goes to anything. Yeah. That goes to anything. It could be if you're a boss of a company and this, yo, I had a customer of mine, bro, who would show up to work every day, fucked up, like smelling of Jack Daniels at like 7.30 in the morning. And his boss would be one of our customers too. I'm not going to say any names, but his boss would come and, and, and see him and he'd be like, man, I don't know how he does it. And I asked his boss one time, I'm like, yo, how do you, like, how do you deal with that? Like, isn't it maybe embarrassing to the company? Like he goes to all these boardroom meetings and shit and he goes traveling. He was in global business, international business. And he would go to all these, like, he'd go to Italy, he'd go to France, he'd go to Japan and represent the company. He's like, Nick, let me tell you something, man. The guy is so talented. I don't know how he does it. Does it? Maybe that's his like performance enhancer where he needs to be drunk and high or whatever. But he's like, I put up. He's like, yo, I put up with this BS because he delivers. Yeah. And yo, as a Giants fan, there were stories about Bill Parcells talking about Lawrence Taylor. He'd be like, listen, bus leaves for the stadium at 10 a.m. on Sunday. You better be there. And Lawrence Taylor was like, yes, sir. I'll be there. And then, like, with Rodman, bro, like, you think if Rodman was Bill Cartwright, he'd be able to go and be a part of the Wolfpack in the NWO? Like, no, bro, you put up with it because, like, you knew this guy was going to deliver. Yeah. You think he could go on a Vegas bender in the middle of the season if it wasn't for him, like, delivering? Like, that was one of those things where it's a rare breed of athlete where you can do mad crazy shit off the court, off the field. It'd still be productive. It ain't always like that, too. You know this. Yeah. We've been following sports our whole lives. How many guys' careers have spiraled out of control because they can't control themselves off the, off the off court? The field. Now it's happening more than ever in the NFL, at least, with all these guys don't know what to do. They're themselves turn quarantine. That's another conversation. Um, they need the league back, bro. They're bored. They got, nothing, <laughs> they got nothing to do. Fucking DeAndre Baker, congrats. But I learned – I also learned a lot about the flu game, which um, I, I feel like I've heard, I've heard that it was like a hangover game. Yeah, there's been right. Yeah, a lot of conspiracies around MJ, right? Like yeah. so many different reasons as to why things happen. Well, some of my older friends, like like older, like at least older for us, in like my in their early forties, I was hanging out with them, um, and uh, this was before, obviously, and 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 we came to the conversation of Jordan. I think it was before the documentary was set to come out, but like they were prepped, they were like teasing it or whatever. I remember, Aaron, I remember talking about some of the specific highlights of, of Jordan's career. And one thing that they did mention was, uh, you know, everyone knows, knows, air quotes, uh, that Jordan was suspended, that he wasn't, he didn't just leave the league, uh, and that the flu game was a hangover game. He's saying this as, it's, as this is something like it's been widely accepted and everyone knows. And I'm just like, I don't necessarily know if that's true. I wasn't around for it, so I can't say that I was watching all the TV coverage and I was, you know, reading all the reports at the time. Um, but I definitely thought the flu thing was interesting for sure. Yeah, dude. How do you, how do you let that happen too? Like if you're his team, do you let him not, not, not the bulls, like his crew, like how do you let him eat that? Especially when you had the, 
you had the suspicion to it, like five guys delivering a pizza, bro. Like that's kind of sketchy. How was he the only one that ate the pizza though? I kind of just, that, that was one thing that made me like, come on fam. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Like, and, and, and the, you know, they did a good job of, uh, you know, and, and he was very, he, he did a good job of like stating that fact for everyone to hear. Like, I was the only one that ate pizza. Like that's yeah. like that's to signify like he could have been the he was the only one that could have got tickets. He was the only one that ate the pizza. Like they did a good job. <laughs> they did a good job of highlighting that as well. Um, either way, regardless of, of 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 what happened, hungover, sick, flu, like unbelievable performance. But uh, that was that was that was something that I learned as well. Well, the one the one craziest thing was the common theme with. MJ throughout this whole documentary is this, he tried to find an edge because I feel like he knew he was so much better than everyone else. So how could he fire himself up? How can he get himself into that savage killer mode? Like that one quote, he was like, yo, I'm gonna go for a kill today. I'm gonna get a kill today. It's like he was a cerebral assassin and he needed to get into that state of mind to destroy you. Bro, I don't know about you, Ant, but did you know all that shit about Byron Russell? Brian no, Russell? That that by, by, Brian Russell. Brian Russell. By the way, calling him Byron my whole life. <laughs> so that was another takeaway too. No, I didn't know I think... that they, they had that interaction when he wasn't playing when he was playing baseball. And Stockton and Malone, at first I'm like, yo, why is he that cool with them? And then I remember, oh shit, the dream team. They all yeah. were fucking together. Shouts to Carl Malone for going on the team bus after they lost. That was dope. I, I, I fucked with that because, man, that can't be easy, dude. Like, to, to lose twice and just be like, yo, I'm going to beat a bigger man. And I think that was, I think that was also a, a personal thing, too, where it was a relationship with him and Mike. Yeah. Um, and uh... the Byron Russell thing. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I just think that you know that reminded me obviously of the, um, the, the other. What was it like in the middle of the season or the middle of the documentary? Who was the kid on the Washington Bullets? Uh, the that was like a fake. Yeah, it, it yeah, never yeah, even yeah, really, yeah. it never even really happened. It's just like here's Jordan again, like he said, trying to just amp himself up, and then I just uh, that's unbelievable. But why would you kind of you know wake a sleeping bear? That is Michael Jordan, you know, if you're Brian Russell. This doesn't, doesn't make that much sense. And that was, yo, there so many common themes in this whole doc where Nick Anderson says four, five, eight, two, three anymore. And then Horace Grant is like, I just say that. that. And then Ahmad Rashad is, is listening to all these people talk. He's like, oh, my God, just shut up, man. Don't, don't anger him. George Carl, right? yeah. George Carl, don't say hi to him at a dinner. And then just everything, everything about that, he tries to find an edge. And I think that's what makes him great, man. That is what made him great. You have to be that, would you call it arrogant or cocky? Like, what would you describe that as? That's, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's arrogant or cocky. Like, I think it's smart. You, you try to motivate yourself because that's the one thing that I would say is like, after you accomplish so much in your life, there's t- it's like what motivates you, right? It's like right. being successful motivates a lot of people making a lot of money and being successful seems to be some, you know, seems to be two things that motivate people. But at that point in his career, right. You're arguably the best player of all time already. Mm. Right. You have all of this money. You are this larger than life icon. 
what, what, what's going to motivate you to be better than that? And it's like, that's it. He motivated himself. He didn't need anything else. And that's mm. kind of, I think, like you said, that's what made him great. It's his ability to motivate himself. It's crazy. I really loved how much about his business he was and that business being basketball. Oh, so I, it's funny that you brought that up because the one thing that I wrote down in my notes was, I think the fact that Jordan had the older entourage around him and he had such a mature crew, he even said it. He goes, I just had a bunch of old guys around me. He goes, he goes, that they kept him in line. And I, and I agree. Like when you got, you know, people not twice your age, but you know, you know, you had the security guys were older than him. Things right. of that nature. It's like, he's about his business. He wants to focus. Like you can say all you want about, you know, maybe he enjoyed gambling or whatever the case was. But at the end of the day, the guy didn't, you know, he, he never really got let, let like tons of trouble surround him because of, because of the circle he kept. He kept a mature group around him, which shows that like, you know, he, he was really about his business. Everything he did showed that he was about his business, but that was just like a small piece of it. You know, like there's no, no games are going on. I, I'm hanging out with a 55 year old and a 60 year old. After, you know what I'm saying? Like he's yeah. not going out. He's not really doing anything crazy like that. Nah, dude, that's a, that's a great fucking point, man. And I also think that it's a very it's a very interesting scenario because just because someone's been around for so long doesn't mean that they're the right person to be around yeah and he didn't know the security guards all his life and he got close with them because they were they were protecting him whether it was from paparazzi or fans or you know someone going to rob him or something who knows what he saw dude he's the biggest star in the world yeah. Right. The circus that was following this dude everywhere he would go was out of control. We never saw something like that in the sports world, at least. And that's something that this documentary also showed because it's very important to remember, dude. No social media, which is crazy. Yeah. What, what I oh no, continue. I bet. What I what I meant before I forget what I meant about him being about his business is he really harped on the idea of yo, if I was dropping 15 points a game, no one would buy these sneakers. So do I want to elevate my sneaker brand and my brand, the Jordan brand, Jumpman brand? Yeah, I do. But he wasn't going to, or at least in the documentary, they didn't show like he wasn't flying to China to promote. He wasn't doing like these like meet and greets and shit. he's like, yo, I'm going to get buckets and that's going to help my brand ultimately grow. And then after the fact, like it's become talk about outgrowing a brand like Jordan has outgrown Nike. It's still part of Nike, but it's like, you know, Kanye West is still with Jay-Z under his, his record label, but, like, Kanye has outgrown that, too. You know, it's just one of those things where, like, Drake at one point, he outgrew Lil Wayne and Young Money. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of analogy I'm trying to make where, but he was really about his business. Like, yo, my business is basketball, and I'm a hoop. And that's all I care about, and I want to win. Because when I win, you're going to win also. Like, you don't think all these other dudes that won championships with him benefited from it? Yeah, like they were. I remember I was watching Scott Burrell get interviewed. I forgot where it was. I think maybe Mike Greenberg interviewed him. He was like, he was like, it seems like Michael Jordan wasn't necessarily the best teammate. Was it fun being on his team? And he was like, he goes, yeah, absolutely, because winning is fun. He goes, yeah, yeah. it may suck, you know, you know, during the day to day grind here and there, you know, different aspects of it may suck. He goes, but at the end of the day, winning cures everything. Like you said, being good at something really cures everything. And and, and, and winning is fun. So although, it, you know, in the, in the short term, in, in some of those specific moments, it may not, he may not have been the greatest teammate, but, you know, there's tons of all of his teammates after the fact that said, 
yeah, but he pushed us to be the greatest version of our greatest version of ourselves, and 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 we won. And in turn, that's very you know you know that's fun. Um, one thing that I wanted to talk about quickly was um, I've had this written down. Phil Jackson, ultimate mm. personality manager, elite yes. personality manager. Yep. Like talk about um, you know what Rodman didn't show up to practice that day, well, the one day, and then. Um, they just like snuck him onto the team bus or whatever away from the media. Like this guy just knows how to manage personalities. This guy just knows how to really, you know, you know, work with people from all walks of life. And, 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 and just, I thought he was just an elite personality manager. Shit. He was the, the, the guy pulling the strings. Yeah. All right. Like the puppeteer. Is that the term? Yep. He knew when to press and he knew when not to press. He knew when to push what button. He, he just he did a really good job. Like you said, he great puppeteer. Put, pushed all the buttons the right way. I think also his background they showed in that one episode way back about like he was like kind of a hipster, and like he doubt like he did acid. Yeah, and like he was mad. Like he was kind of a a loose cannon also, and that's how he was able to relate to Dennis Rodman. And then, yo, I feel like Phil Jackson, the run with the Knicks, kind of was a black eye on how great he was. Cause like well, it didn't Knicks. work out with the Knicks. And I, he also and, didn't want that job with the Knicks, bro. They just threw him $15 million a year. He's like, all right, yeah, fuck it. Why not? And I think that was, and that was the case of like Phil. I think people didn't buy into what Phil wanted to do. I think it was kind of, I just think it wasn't going to work from the beginning. And we could talk about that. I could talk about this forever, but it's like Phil, Phil's recipe works, right? Mm-hmm. Like he has all of these championships. It's, and he's just kind of stuck in his ways of like, these are all these are all of my accomplishments from doing it this way. If you do it this way, we will be chances are we will be successful. And I just think that you know people butted heads with him for whatever reason, and maybe people were right. Like maybe the league did move, you know, too fast, too soon, and it kind of was too fast for him, and and, and the league did change because that's there's no denying that the league changed. But I just think. There was a lot of butting heads with Phil Jackson, but you're right. But that doesn't talk about him as a head coach because him as a head no, coach, as a head him, coach is completely different. Yeah. yeah, but but at the same time, like you'd you'd hope that you know he had you know the one thing like you said you know is he's a great you know great puppet master, great at managing personalities, and 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 you you'd hope that he would have done a little bit of a better job at least on that front with the Knicks in regards to just like you know, managing personalities and keeping everyone together, but. Um, I think this does put, you know, Phil Jackson back into some positive light after all is said and done. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back and Bet Online has hundreds of games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7. Or... You can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex-Chicago Bulls Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling After the Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. Bet online, your online wagering solutions. And of course, fellas, if you're looking to last longer, go a few extra rounds. Get bluechew.com. Bluechew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. 
They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they are chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just $5 for the shipping is what you will have to pay. And again, that is B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. And big ups to the members of the Patreon, Nick Chavez, Ryan Pisner, Christopher Velasquez, Corey Johnson Hoops, Derek Plates, and Daniel Gibson. We got to talk about we got to talk about this NWO thing cuz I've been waiting to see if they're going to show this this whole documentary. And so bonkers. Yo, this dude went out during the finals. Think about it. The Giants are still getting shit for the boat trip a week before they went to play the Packers when they went to Miami. Uh, let's go back even further. Jessica Simpson, Tony Romo, they go to Cabo during the bye week, and then they lose to the Giants in the divisional round in 2007? Got heat for that. Still gets heat for that in Dallas. Like, damn, what, what could have been? Like, were you focused? Damn, this is how big wrestling was in the 90s, bro. This is, this is prime attitude era. This is NWO. This is Hulk Hogan, Goldberg, Sting. Booker T going up against DX, Stone Cold, The Rock, Undertaker. And he just shows up on Nitro, which, yo, back then, dude, in the 90s, Monday Night Raw, Monday Nitro, they were getting equivalent now to, like, World Series NBA Finals numbers. They are getting, like, 9 and 10 ratings. That's crazy. It's wild. Free television, like, that wasn't a live sport. Like it was live entertainment, but it's theater. It's drama. It's pro wrestling. And him joining, like, yo, if you're the Utah jazz, bro, that can't be like in the back of your mind. Just damn, these motherfuckers don't, don't think we're nice. Well, <laughs> it was, the, it was crazy also because like they weren't really playing that well at that time, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Like, did they lose game one, or did they win game one, they lose game two? They, they lost game one, won game two, and then he went to Nitro. <laughs> and, 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 and two things on the WW, uh, and the WWF thing. Well, well, that was NWO, sorry. That was WCW. WCW, my bad. Yeah. Um, first, the comment that, <laughs> that Hulk Hogan makes, I don't know if you call it that, he was like, I guess there are some things that are worth skipping practice for, brother. Or whatever. I was like, I can't believe he just said that because he literally skipped practice during the NBA finals to be on TV. And what about Rodman? He was like, yo, I like having fun, like fucking bad girls. <laughs> yo, uh, the GOAT, son, the GOAT. I, I left this documentary, honestly, if I was to do power rankings, other than Jordan, Rodman might be number one. Yeah. Like, talk about a, a unique, unique character, right? And, dude, everything is pro wrestling, man. Everything is pro wrestling. And then you have that tie into it. Like, yo, leaving. Yo, imagine, son, imagine Travis Kelsey, Super Bowl week, shows up on SmackDown Friday night. Super Bowl's on Sunday. 
Friday night. You're just like live and he's in another city. <laughs> you're like, what? Bro, he was also like doing physical activities, like hitting people with chairs. Yeah, taking which, bumps. Just, which is like, dude, you, like, like, it's just so crazy that nothing even close to that would happen in today's world, which just makes it even, would make, which makes it great watching it now. It's like, not only was the game different, but like everything behind the scenes was so different also. That's what just is really cool about the whole thing too. Um, did, and then did you catch what I sent you uh, when I was texting you earlier? But the Ben Levit the Ben Levitard, the Dan Levitard poll was um do you feel like you know Phil Jack uh, Phil Jackson, do you feel like you know Michael Jordan's security guards better than his family? Yes or no? It was like an overwhelming yes. Well, that was because you knew just how people are and how social media is. Everyone's been raving about this entire documentary. There was gonna be backlash because Well, because it's because sorry to cut you off again, but the one thing that you know for certain is you could tell that it was made by like Michael Jordan's camp, or you could tell of that. Of course, yeah. But dude, not to say it was one-sided, but I do think they could have dove into some of the other stuff a little bit more. Right. So they don't talk about his wife at all. No mentioning of his wife. They briefly show the kids, but that's more of like, man, we don't want to go to Utah because it's crazy over there. And then we've seen even to even nowadays, like Russell Westbrook has gotten it into fans of Utah. Utah isn't exactly the most welcoming city to go play basketball in if you're a visiting team now imagine if you're michael jordan's family and this dude just took put his hand through the heart of an entire state and ripped it out and then you're gonna go and sit courtside or sit in the stands with these savages yeah they were gonna be friendly to him so yeah they don't show they don't show much of his family and that's probably the one critique of it but i want to flip it on the other side and Maybe Jordan was like, yo, you want me to do all this stuff and I'll open up for you? I don't want this to be covered. And if you're, of course. If, if you're Jason Heyer who did this documentary, don't you think you're like, fine. I'll yeah. take what I can get. If you're giving me 99 of 100 chapters, I'm not going to bitch and moan about that one chapter, especially if yeah. you're going to open up in a way that you've never fucking opened up before. Yep. I think you sign up for that, bro. All day. All day. Um, but... Yeah, that was one thing that, you know, you, you could definitely get a sense of, like, where the documentary was coming from, what angle it was coming from. It was a great job, though. It was sensational. It like, made my Sundays way more enjoyable, obviously. But I can't um, even hate them for that, though, man, because he talked so much about... Because where else that... are you going to get all of... You, you're trading one thing to get the other, right? It's like yeah. you're trading, you know, the ability to get all this inside information and all this kind of first-time information just like you said, for skipping over one chapter. And you didn't necessarily even skip over it. More so just you didn't dive as deep into those specific chapters as you, you, you know, you, you touched those chapters at high levels rather than really digging in. Because it's not like they did, it's not like they completely just ignored them. They spoke about them. They just, you know, they let him give his piece on it. And, and, and that was really it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, if, if I was to do a, because someone asked, I forgot who it was. It might have been SB Nation. They tweeted out, who would you want to see a 10-part documentary on in the sports world? And, yo, with no hesitation, I said Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, if you think of what that guy's been through and his stardom, like, he has – I think he's the highest-followed athlete on social media. He's a megastar, bro. Like, 
how many times will we play FIFA and shit? And Joey used to always pick Portugal and just like dominate with, with Portugal. And like Ronaldo's just one of those guys where he's, I want to say he's outgrown the sport, but his brand is so powerful and so big. And if Ronaldo wanted to be like, yeah, hey, yo, I don't want to talk about if I was to do a documentary, right? And I don't know, I don't know no like crazy story about Ronaldo. There were rumors that him and Kim Kardashian had a thing like back in like 2012, 2013. And if he wanted to be like, yo, Nick, I'll, I'll give you everything. I just don't want to talk about that. I'm not going to be like, no, you have to. It's like, bro, you're giving me, again, you're giving me 99 of 100 chapters. I can't bitch him no, bro. Because then you're not going to get that information directly yeah, then he's from gonna the be source. Like, yo, fuck you. I'm going to do it with Impy. Who Impy's going to be like, yo, you know what? Leave that out and leave out all the other stuff you don't want to talk about because you're giving me all these extra details. So I didn't really have a problem with it. Did you no. have a problem with it or was it just something that crossed your mind? It's just something that crossed my mind because um, I feel like I saw the same poll or the, or, or the same tweet or maybe a different tweet of like, who would you want? With, who's this next you know, doc that you'd like to see about sports? My answer was Tiger Woods. And the reason this got me thinking is because, you know, Tiger Woods had, has had, you know, some issues, you know, off the, off the green, you know, with, I think it was like the prostitute things going around, with, you mm -hmm. know, those affairs that he's had. And it's like to really get that Michael, to really get that Tiger Woods documentary, you know, perfected, you would have to dive into some of those off the, off the course situations. Um, and, 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 and that's kind of what got me going. I, I think they did a great job. It's not, a, not the end of the world at all. Um, yeah, so it, it wasn't a big deal to me, more so just something that, that I thought about as I was watching it because I was thinking about that Tiger Woods thing as well. I asked you this before we started recording. Talk about a comeback that Carmen Electra has been on. I mean, why she, is she like, is she like all over the internet now? Oh, dude, she's like, especially after the first time she made her debut, was that that was part three and four? Like, she was everywhere. And then she makes an appearance again last night in the finale. What's the comp, bro? What's the comp of Carmen Electra in 2020? Because back then, again, no social media. She was the it girl. She was on all the covers of the magazines. And she was like the, it was like her and Pam Anderson were the two that everyone used to like fantasize over. And like, that was the dream girl. That was the it girl. And who's that now? You gave me a good one. Share it, with, share it with everyone. So I said like pre Kanye, Kim Kardashian, like Chris like, Humphreys, uh, Chris, Chris Humphreys, Kim Kim, Kardashian. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, at that time she was like all over the covers of magazines. I'm sure she's on the covers of magazines now. It's just not the same. Right. She was, I feel like Kim Kardashian back in the day was more like a sex icon. She was more, she had the sex tape earlier on in her career. Mm -hmm. She, you know, her, she used her looks right. As like this, like as her appeal with her looks. Now she's kind of pivoted to like the family and the and the skin care or no that's Kylie but Kim Kardashian has kind of pivoted to other lanes of of success using other you know other channels to to create success whereas earlier on with Kim it was like her looks right her looks and kind of the sex appeal um, so I would definitely say like a like a pre Kanye earlier on Kim Kardashian seems like you know who who uh, Carmen Electra was do you have an answer I don't. I mean, great girl. That goes without saying. But I just can't think of it because I think it's so hard with social media, man. Because, like, how many, like, girls have 10, 20 million followers? And you're like, yeah, I don't even know who this girl is. 
but she's like an influencer, which is now an actual job description. Like, yo, when you file taxes and shit, that's the one thing that you can actually file under is like influencer. That's a real like profession now. So I don't know, man. I don't know. I think, I think that's a good one. I think that's really a good one, but it's hard for me to, when I, when I think of Kim Kardashian, I kind of just gravitate to her now. Well, like, you have to ask someone, of, you have to ask someone like in their early forties. Yeah. Someone that was around for both. But like I mean, younger, like maybe like someone like that was like a teenager in the, in the, in the nineties, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Who could yeah. like speak to the sex appeal side of it and like, you know, the, the, the covers and, and the TV and all that stuff. Um, and then, and then someone who's you know, still relatively young now as well. Look at, look at, look at Rodman's week and a half, right? Goes to Nitro playing in the finals, hits two big free throws in that game too. And that game three, sorry, that were like pivotal. He goes to the line and it's 72, 72. And you even hear the announcer say like, oh, this might be one of the, the last people you would nominate to go take free throws. Not a really good free throw shooter. And then he kind of does the, the MJ shrug as he's coming back down the court. And then wins the title, has Carmen Electra in the hotel waiting. Iconic photo of them two kissing the trophy. Man, Rodman. You want to talk about a 10-part documentary series on someone. That, that guy is... It's already in the works. Yo, it has to be, bro. Think about him. Think about Rodman now, too. Like, it doesn't he, he has, like, a, a great relationship with the dude from uh, North Korea also. Yes, King Jong-un. They're, like, they... He's gone over there, and he's treated like royalty. Like, Rodman is a unique breed, bro. Unique breed. And I definitely popped when they showed the NWO stuff. But I think the lasting image is where do you think that photo of the shot is in in history like sports or even for mj is that is that the most iconic moment for him the trophy nah the the shot of the shot over oh, oh, oh. um no i i i think uh it's funny like it, i don't know man that's a good question that's a tough one because I, I, I always gravitate towards like some form of a dunk, but I can't necessarily think of one. Um, it's, I, 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 I think now, now that I'm kind of processing all the information, I do think so because the push off, was it a push off? Was it not a push off? Was it? Where do you, where do you lie? No, nah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Bob, Costas, Bob Costas last night uh, did a really good job of, of kind of breaking it down um, where he was basically saying like he compared it to like a, almost like a, a love tap no, like, like he was a, basically like a, saying like, a hostess taking you to your table yep he was like he was already going in that direction his his arm was just there um so definitely not a push-off although it's funny because it's it's so funny how 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 things could change because i was talking to my roommate before the episode aired and we knew that part was going to come up obviously just because that was part of the series um and uh i was like yeah you know was it a push-off? You don't know. No one really knows. It was Jordan. They probably gave him the call, right? Me kind of being ignorant to the whole situation, being you know young at the time, not even watching it live. Like, who am I to say? And then you kind of get schooled to the game, you know, as a legend like Bob Costas kind of explains what happened. Um, yeah. I, so now that I think about it, absolutely. Although the picture of him holding the trophy crying is a really good one. Yeah, especially um, now when you get the context of, I think the one where he's sobbing. Yep. When, you, when they beat the, the the Sonics, the Supersonics, 
But dude, if you really look at that picture and they they showed the people's faces when he when he goes to pull up before he even takes in like everyone in the crowd is like just kind of if you guys are watching this video on YouTube cheap plug it's kind of like all the fans are like oh my god no and then yo shady I'll I'll send you the picture after and I'll circle it for you and I'll, I'll the put tweet it on. you tweeted it I already saw it. the 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 little kid right with the with the sixes Six. up yeah he went like that yeah I can goes like that six yo He's, it's funny because then jordan did six after yeah yo guys go to the instagram i put it up on instagram last night and i asked did he push off did he push off or no he's at the little kid is wearing a white bulls jersey i think but he's right above the shot clock and he's doing the six bro he's doing the six and 15 of 35 from the field in game six and they also show how Pippen goes out, right? Then he comes back in and he's hobbled. And MJ tells him, like, yo, you better not go nowhere. You're a decoy. And it kind of, like, kind of was very fitting to go out that way if you're Pippen and MJ. And it's so funny, too, because you think about it. Like, you even wonder if that would happen in today's age. Pippen wanted a contract. Everybody knows Pippen wanted a contract after that season. Like, like six rings or that one big payday that I honestly haven't had yet. That's like another thing that you got to think about. Like I wonder. Nah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And uh man, I got goosebumps, bro, as we're winding down this episode. I got goosebumps watching that last sequence and I think the way Bob Costas put it together, how uh, it's the greatest closing sequence of like ever, right? And to think there were no timeouts called, like, dude, how many times is there two minutes left in an NBA game in the playoffs? Phil Jackson, the 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 genius that is Phil. Yeah, but also think about this, dude. You're watching NBA playoffs on like TNT or ESPN or some shit nowadays, and then there's two minutes left, and it's a close game. Say it's uh nowadays it would be like uh 103, 108 kind of game. That was a- and then yeah, yeah, the, those games were ending 78, 72. Yeah, but. Nowadays, how many timeouts are called after like every possession or during possession? And then the last two minutes end up being like a 28 minute real time kind of stretch out extravaganza. The genius that is Phil. Man. And the logic behind it made so much sense too, right? You had. Yeah, so they couldn't sub anyone in or out and so that they couldn't get set on a defensive play. I mean, look, at the end of the day, like they said, everyone knew where the ball was going and everybody knew who was going to take the shot in regards to that last shot where everyone's like, what were you supposed to do on the court? Is it like, get out the fucking way? Everyone knew, but, you know, like Phil said, you know, not letting them at least regroup and call a play helped out. Oh, my God. I just remember, dude, we didn't even talk about Steve Kerr. Well, yeah. First of all, at first, I was like, damn, Steve Kerr is getting, like, his own, like... Because every episode, there's two common people that are highlighted in every episode if you've noticed one is always jordan but then another episode is set on a guy who was a key contributor to this run right there was one on phil there was one on scotty there was one on um, rodman rodman right then there's one on steve kerr dude i didn't know that about his dad bro yeah well that and then and that was why they asked the question like did you you and michael talk about your fathers and at first i was like wait Oh, they both were murdered. Yeah. That is, it's so crazy to think that like your teammate, like you didn't talk to your teammate about like the fact that your father's dad died the same way. But that's just. Especially when you look at 
the episodes prior them to get into a fight yep. it's like how different obviously it all works out for them because they go on these runs and they become really close friends and that was kind of the defining moment of steve kerr's career is getting punched by mj because that showed mj that like yo i'm not gonna be a bitch and let you just because you're mike you're, you're this you know uh what did reggie miller call him black jesus yeah like, just because you're black jesus i'm not gonna back down to you and in a in a strange way like them getting into a fight earned his respect if you're michael jordan and steve kerr but to think that mj goes through this tragic death like talk about relating to someone going through exactly that, dude, that, that yeah. was really crazy to me and I thought the crazy and the cool thing about Steve Kerr to kind of lighten the mood is um, how he always mentioned like John Paxson was my guy. Like I wanted to mimic my game after John Paxson. What do I always the, say, bro? You need that random white guy that just glue, shoots mad threes. You need to glue. Everyone needs a glue guy. But um, that was really cool too. Yeah, and I for him to hit like, the shot at the end of the game, just like how Paxson hit the shot at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's really cool to see how. Um, he showed love to Paxson for that reason. How yeah. he groomed them along and told them, like, yo, you want to play like Mike? Look, you can't back down. You got to hit your shots when you get them because if Mike's going to shoot, you know, 30 times a game and you're going to get eight, well, you better make them count. And think about what a great shooter those guys had to have been too. Paxson and Kerr to, you know, Paxson in the Sun series going back a couple episodes. That was the first field goal someone made in that game on the road in Phoenix that wasn't Michael Jordan in the fourth quarter. It's like, yo, for you not to like, I think it's super impressive when a guy comes off the bench after like a 13 minute sit and just hits that first shot. Like you're not in rhythm. You're not in rhythm. It's tough. Like, yo, you just like cold off the bench. You just to bang a clutch three like that is crazy. And he wasn't shooting well that game, by the way, too. Yeah. So. How do you, how do you feel about, and I guess we could end with this. Two things, two things. Um, the LeBron people, and I'm one of them. It's too soon. Right, because his career is not over yet. But has your stance changed on anything? Do you – because I, I can't front. I've learned so much about Michael Jordan that I didn't know. But I knew a lot of, like I, – I learned more about the person, not yes. so much the player. Because, like, as a basketball fan, I knew about all the stuff that he's, he's done. Right? I knew about – I, was, I couldn't wait to hear the Atlantic City stories because I knew about those and I knew the aura of MJ. I just didn't know a lot of the off-the-field stuff. I didn't know about the trials and tribulations with his dad as, as far as what those details were and some of the other things. But for the most part, like the numbers and whatnot, I knew it. And I'm not going to live in the moment and say that anything has really changed for me. Um, how, do you, how do you think people should feel if you're pro-LeBron? I, I, I would say that, you know, career's not over so you can't make that judgment yet and I, and I would agree with you I would say in regards to Jordan you know the stats and the hardware because you, everyone has had kind of every, if, if, if you've if you've had a, a, the, the debate the GOAT debate with LeBron and Jordan you already know the numbers right you already know 6-0 and in the finals you know you already know all of that stuff so what I think I took away was I learned a lot about the Bulls I learned a lot about Jordan's personal life and I learned a lot about the NBA during their run, um, you know, I learned, I, I really kind of, you know, I learned how good those jazz teams were and how good those Pistons teams were. And I just think that I, I learned so much about the NBA as a whole 
um, during the Jordan period, which will potentially help an argument when you can say, like, the teams Jordan played, played in the finals are better than the teams LeBron played in the final or vice versa. So I just think it, it, it helped contextualize everything. It helped put everything into perspective. Learning learning about everything helped me understand Jordan a little bit more. Um, but in regards to the go debate, it's way, it, I still think it's too soon, man. Like, I still think it's too soon. I'll always go back to this. I think it's really crazy that someone is even – considering that conversation like it's not bad to be number two bro like i also would respect someone if they thought lebron was the best or or if after his career is over and if he can win one more i still think lebron needs to win one more um well you've always been a pro rings guy though yeah but i think it's 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 tough because with lebron right like lebron's never like you could argue those Bulls teams that Jordan was on, those were, like, very, very good teams, right? That was another big takeaway for me, bro. Like, so, he didn't entirely play with bums. Like, no, Kerr was an elite shooter. Learned, Ron bro, Harper. Pippen, I didn't know Scottie Pippen was a top three player in the NBA, top five player in the NBA at the time. Like, that's something that was just completely news to me. Did I know he was a top 50 overall player of all time? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But think about, think about like, Kukoc, bro. Kukoc was one of the first European guys to come over and be, like, a, a game wrecker, right? That one season that Jordan played baseball, how many game-winning shots did Kukoc hit? Then like, also yo, you – He wasn't playing with bums. Like, he, I think it also showed light to how good some of the – Horace Grant, well, that's Pippen, the thing. Rodman, Kerr. Horace Grant leaves the Bulls, goes to the Magic, and then what? Their Magic are in the finals. He's yeah. a conference final. You know and what I'm saying? He, like, had the, he had the greatest coach of all time. So, yeah. I, I and, do and think – Go on. Well, I was just going to compare it to LeBron, whereas, whereas generally speaking, every time LeBron's been in the finals, when his team – when the consensus is that LeBron's team is better than the opponent, he wins the championship. Except for mm-hmm. the first year against the Mavs. Right where I think the Heat had the better roster, generally speaking, LeBron will win the finals if he is on the better team. Now, I know that's kind of obvious, right? That kind of makes, like, okay, you did your job. Right. But that just goes that goes to show that LeBron's been at the disadvantage when it comes to the finals, right? Like, his rosters aren't always the best, especially that last season in Cleveland, right? Like, there's just – he – and then the first NBA finals in, in Cleveland as well. Right when they lost, I I I just think that uh, he he hasn't had you know the best supporting cast, and whenever he did, you know, he, chances are he won a ring. Like in Miami, those well, he won rings two out of four, three, four. two out of four, two out of yeah. four, yeah. But went to the finals every year. But who did they lose to that last year? The Spurs, who were elite. Kawhi Leonard was what their worst player. No, sorry, not, not worst. I mean. Fourth best. Yeah, that was that was early. That was when the the big three for the Spurs were still, you know, trucking along. They were still legit. You know, I think that LeBron's one brings when he when they didn't have the better team. So it's still up for a debate. I think he needs one more, and then we could really get into it. Well, I think also with LeBron, when you look at his finals record, I remember we did a we did an episode with uh, Danny and Tim way way back in the day, and we talked about LeBron versus Jordan, but. I think the craziest thing is that Jordan was a favorite every year going into the finals. As far as when the finals started and you wanted to bet aside, he was always a favorite. Yes. 
So when you look at it from the Vegas and the uh, the betting perspective, it, the he outcomes won. were ex- expected. Like you should have won. Where LeBron has only been a favorite four times in the finals, and he's won three of them. Like you said, the black eye was the Mavericks one, and it's probably the worst performance of his career. But again, we could save this for another time. My last my last thoughts on this one, Ib, and I want to get your take on this. I know recency bias. I usually poke fun of it for the most part, because I do think sometimes things are misleading. Like last year, I was all in on the Chiefs, and I felt that their odds were very misleading. They were too high because of the Lamar Jackson stuff and the Baltimore Ravens stuff. Then you look at the Chiefs, and they're 15-1 to to win the Super Bowl in Week 12. You're like, yeah, I kind of like that. kind of like that. I think this is the best documentary I've ever seen. And I mean that across the board on all documentaries. Factor in... One, I'm a big sports fan, obviously. Two, it covers a guy who's been very mysterious also. Like, he doesn't give you much. And he, everything he gives you is well calculated. And then also, of course, like similar to the Tiger King, like Tiger King came out during quarantine. Everyone's home and locked in and everyone's blowing it up on social media. And then the same shit here with this documentary. Man, I really do think that one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I might even do it soon. Binge watch all of it in a row. And I think it's really the best thing I've seen, bro. I agree. And, and I think I may be, I may have not, I may have not have, you know, explored all of the sports documentaries that I possibly can. So I, I, I may chalk it up to that, but I do agree with you in the sense that it's the best sports doc that I've ever seen. Um, granted, maybe what I've seen is a little bit limited and this will definitely kind of open my eyes to more, um, you know, I, I, when I think of sports documentaries, I'm, I actually kind of, the first thing I think about are 30 for 30s. And the thing with the 30 for 30s is this was kind of like an, a 30 for 30 on steroids, right? right. Um, so kind of comparing it to some of those, of course, this one's the best, but it's because there's so much to it. There's so much to unwrap and there's so much to digest, but um, I can't think of another one. Um, so I, I, I would agree with you. Well... My good brother, as always, I appreciate you for coming on. Anytime, bro. Hopefully, when everything opens back up, we'll, we'll, we'll hang out in person. Yeah, yeah. Not even the podcast. Can we go get a beer? Fuck. Can't wait. Me, it's been so some, long. I just want to. I just want to sip on a little bit, man. My friend, my friend posted something on Instagram. It was just like, "This is what a picture of a full beer on a bar looks like." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw. Just I saw like that. it was just, just a beer on a bar. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, yeah, man. You know, open invite whenever you need. You You're just ready. tell me when we make it happen. Where can they find you? Anything change? Anything you doing? Like, what's up? Where can they oh, on, the, on the on the on the hard top? Like, what's up? Okay, you still grinding? Yeah, man. Although a little bit of a break, I'm playing MLB the show a little bit. Um, but you can catch me at impy718 on Twitter and Instagram. You already know. At the Lamb Show is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find the show. Give us a rate and review on iTunes. It goes a long way to building the podcast. Check out some of the YouTube content that's coming out. Pretty dope shit. Follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Young LinkedIn Boys. My son, Imp, put me on. And check out the Patreon. There's some bonus content on there too. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. And I'm very excited for Thursday's episode. And I'll catch you guys next time. Baby. Taking that food right off of your grill Nicky too ill, can't let it drop and me spill Clogging the lane, I'm feeling the strain I'm here for the spot to be filled Not to be cocky, but all of you watching While I'm in the cup paying property bills
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.